Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know that Paul has written a letter to the churches of Galatia and he's been defending and fighting for the gospel of grace and fighting against legalism. If you've been with us, you know that there were these men known as the Judaizers and the Judaizers came in and they said that Paul's message of grace and that Paul's message of freedom and liberty in Christ was a dangerous teaching because it led to rebellion, because it led to unlawful living or unrestrained living, they said. Paul says, listen, liberty in Christ won't make you a rebel, it'll make you a disciple. True spirit-led freedom makes you, doesn't make you passive in your faith, but it will make you productive and make you fruitful. Last week where you're with us, Galatians chapter five, verse 22, go ahead and peek at it if you will. It tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is what, saints? Love. Are you looking at it, Galatians 5.22? The fruit of the Spirit is what? And from love, there's joy, there's peace, there's long-suffering, there's kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such, there is no law. In other words, the law was given to keep people from doing wrong things. But when you walk in the Spirit, You produce good things and right things. Can you say amen? And there's no need for the law when you're walking in the spirit. There's no need for restraint because you're walking in the spirit. So the bottom line, listen, the danger here isn't liberty in faith, but the legalism of religion. The bottom line, the danger isn't liberty in faith, but the legalism of religion. Because legalism and religion, are you listening, only controls the outward behavior, but it does not give you inward power. Legalism, say that again, legalism and religion only controls the outward behavior. It does not give you inward power to put to death the old nature and to surrender to the spirit. So in chapters 1 through 5, here's Paul's line of thinking. As he's told us, I've been set free from sin by Jesus who died on the cross. But not only was I set free from sin when Jesus died, but I was also set free from legalism and the law. And although I had this old nature wanting me to walk in the flesh, God has given me the spirit. 
And as we abide in the spirit, we become fruitful and we have victory over sin. And as you abide and you surrender to the spirit, that affects your relationship with other people. We talked about it last week. You begin to love one another. Now, here in chapter six, we see what someone looks like who is led and controlled and walks in the spirit and displays the fruit of the spirit. We see what that person looks like. Now, just by way of reminder, remember our outline here. Paul's getting very practical here in chapter six. Remember our outline in chapters one and two. I told you that Paul was telling us and describing his personal experience with the grace of God. And then in chapters three and four, Paul describes his doctrinal position or doctrine in regards to the grace of God. We've already talked about these four chapters, chapters five and six. Paul describes the practical application of the grace of God. So important that we have our doctrine and we understand our doctrinal position, but then how does that doctrine work itself out or how does that doctrine flesh itself out or how do we begin to walk in the things that we understand? You know, it's one thing to understand doctrine. It's one thing to understand a lot of scripture. It's one thing to understand a lot of Bible But then how does that Bible, how does that scripture, how does that doctrine actually walk out in your life? I know people who know the Bible far better than I do. I know people who know chapter and verse far better than I do. I know people who understand doctrine maybe deeper than I do. But that doesn't matter. What we want to see, what God wants to see is how do you live that which you understand? Don't we all know people who know a lot about the Bible, but they don't live anything in the Bible? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, four people. Amen. They don't know, and they don't live it. So we have the doctrine, and it's important in that order. You have that personal experience. You have the doctrinal experience, doctrinal understanding. And then now Paul, in chapter 5 and 6, he's been very, very practical Very like walk the walk, not just talk the talk and understand the doctrine, but now walk the walk. That's what we're talking about here in chapter six. It's very practical. This morning is very practical. I love it. Galatians chapter six, beginning in verse one, saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Galatians six, one, brethren or sistren, we don't want to leave the ladies out, brethren, if a man is overtaken, In any trespass, you who are spiritual should do what, saints? Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And if anyone thinks himself to be something, verse three, would you please look at it? If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, would you underline that in your neighbor's Bible? Just put it underline all the way across the page. When he is nothing, he does what? Deceives himself. But let each one, in verse 4, examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load or his own burden. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Keep in mind, chapter and verse, don't you know? Chapter and verse are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
You have chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, then it ends in verse 24 and picks up in the next chapter. That's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So as you read the book of Galatians and you read this letter, it actually reads as one continuous letter, just like you would write one continuous letter. So we actually go from verse 24, look at chapter 5 and verse 24. Go ahead and peek back up there if you would. Those who belong to Jesus, Paul said, are you looking at verse 24? If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. All right. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions. In other words, we talked about this last week. Don't mess with the flesh. Don't try and rehab it. Don't try and talk to it. Don't try to negotiate with it. Don't take it out on a date. Put it to death. Now that's what the Bible says. And then in verse 25, if we live in the spirit, listen, this makes sense. Let us walk in the spirit. Now, after talking about walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh, now Paul deals with how to deal with those who are overtaken in a trespass. Chapter six, verse one, Paul says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore him. You take notes, write this down. The word overtaken has the idea of falling and being taken captive. This is someone who has fallen by the wayside by mistake. The word trespass refers to a slip, a lapse, a stumble. The idea is that you have fallen into sin and you find yourself trapped and captive. Again, we're not talking about a person who is practicing habitually practicing sin. We're talking about a person or someone who has slipped and fallen and is trapped and held captive. If someone is practicing sin, we talked about this last week. If someone is practicing sin, the Bible says that they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we're not talking about someone who is practicing sin. You know, if somebody's practicing sin, we need to identify that sin and discipline may or may not be necessary. You know, but just because you tell a person that they're walking in sin, listen, doesn't mean you're judging them. You know, I think sometime the church, we have allowed the world, listen to me, we have allowed the world to uh, get us to the place where we don't want to call sin, sin anymore. Listen, God calls sin, sin. What was sin to God in the beginning is sin to God today in 2009. Can you say amen? What God calls sin is sin. Living together before you get married is sin. Fornication is sin. I know the world says something different. The world says, well, you know, we need to live together because we need to get to know each other before we get married. God calls that sin. And what happens is we in the church, we begin to buy into what the world believes and what the world is thinking, and we don't want to offend people, so we become afraid to call, to call sin, sin. Because we think that if we call sin, sin, then the world will say, well, hey, you don't judge me. And then the funny, people who don't even know the Bible, when you tell them that they're doing something wrong, you tell them that they're doing something sinful, they say, hey, don't judge me. Jesus said, and they quote scripture. They don't even know Jesus. They don't know the word. They don't know anything, but they know Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, 
Jesus said, judge not and be ye not judged. All of a sudden, you living in sin, but you become biblical in your thinking. Isn't it true? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. And what happens is in the church, we begin to buy into that. And before you know it, we don't want to tell anybody anything is wrong or anything is right because we don't want people to tell us that we're judging them. When in fact, just because you tell someone something is biblically not according to your standards, but according to God's standards, are you listening? Not according to your standards, but according to God's standards, you tell someone that is wrong. That is sin. That is not judging them. That is simply identifying a particular work of the flesh in their life. That's not judging them. The word judge, by the way, in Matthew chapter 7, judge not be ye not judge. If you're taking notes, you write this down. That word judge is krino. Krino. K-R-I-N-O. Krino. And it means to judge to condemnation. Now again, Jesus said, judge not and be ye not judged. No, we cannot judge anyone to condemnation. We can't condemn people. You didn't create heaven and you didn't create hell. And therefore, you have no right to judge someone that, whether they're going to go to heaven or go to hell. Y'all with me? How about y'all back there? Because y'all don't know like y'all ain't with me. Okay. I'm watching you now. Y'all better straighten up. You can't you can judge people to determine whether they're going to go to heaven or go to hell. But certainly we can look at a person's behavior and we can say, listen, that is, that is not the Lord. That is ungodly. That is, that is a work of the flesh. That's not judging them. That is simply identifying. And we as Christians are called to identify sin in a person's life, to bring identification to it with the heart of restoration, not condemnation, but restoration, now the world says, well, we, we shouldn't judge, that we should be tolerant. You know, that's a very PC word now, isn't it? Tolerance. People say you ought to be tolerant. Listen, people are not asking for tolerance. They're actually asking for endorsement. They're not asking for tolerance. They're asking for endorsement. We need to look at a person's life and we need to judge them, but again, to identification and then with the heart of restoration. Paul says, if you see a brother overtaken in a trespass, restore him. Now, you know, when I read the Bible, I like to read what it doesn't say. And, and did you realize it doesn't say, if you see someone overtaken in a fault, reveal them. It doesn't say, if you see someone overtaken in a fault, remind them. It doesn't say, if you see someone overtaken in a fault, rebuke them. It doesn't say, excuse them. It doesn't say, extro- destroy them. It doesn't say, ignore them. It doesn't say if you see someone overtaken in a fault, call the prayer chain. We see somebody sitting in their life and we, hey, hey, uh, first of all, how you doing? How your day going? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Now, I got to tell you something. You, you can't tell anybody. You know, somebody once said a secret in the church is what you tell one person at a time. Are you getting me? <laughs> And you know, you go, well, and you know, I got to tell you something that you can't tell anybody. Listen, no, when you see someone overtaken in default, you don't call someone. You don't, you don't call the prayer chain. You don't gossip about that. Paul says you seek to restore them. If you're taking notes, this word restore, write this down. It means to put in order as to restore to former condition. It's actually, listen, it's actually a Greek medical term 
for setting a dislocated bone. It's the same word used in Mark chapter 1, verse 19, as the apostles were mending or restoring their nets. So Paul says, if you call or believe yourself to be spiritual and you see someone who has fallen, you are to restore them or mend the broken bones. And too often, saints, listen, I've told them first service, I'll tell you second, I told them second, I'll tell you third. Too often, when we see someone in a trespass, we don't restore them, we shoot them. The church, unfortunately, is famous for shooting its wounded. Isn't that sad? And yet, isn't that sad? Am I the only one that sees this? And yet, at the same time, we tell people, oh, the church is a hospital. The church is a place where people come. If they're sick, they should come and they can receive healing. The God is a God. He's Jehovah Jireh and he can heal. And God will, you know, he's our healer. He's our protector. We talk all of this kind of language. And at the same time, when someone comes walking through the church, the doors of the church and they need healing and they need restoration, we don't seek to provide that for them. Instead, we shoot them, beat them up and tell them how sinful they are. You know, one thing you don't have to do, you don't have to tell a sinner that they're a sinner. They already know that. When I got saved, nobody needed to tell me I was in sin. I knew that. What I need to know is how do I get out of it? Can you say better amen than that? I need to know what is it going to take to get me from here to there? You know, a brother even this past week came to me. And uh, made an appointment, came in, sat and talked with me. And I really, really appreciated the fact that he said, I'm a Christian and I'm here to ask you, how do I move forward? Do you know in my 25 years of ministry, Chris, it is, nobody's ever done that. That's never happened. Where someone made an appointment not to tell me all the bad stuff I was doing wrong. Because I got plenty of those. But they actually made an appointment to come in and sit down and say, Pastor, I want to know, how do I go forward? What do I need to do next? As a Christian, how do I continue to move forward? How do I grow? How do I, how do I, what do I do now as a believer? That's what we need to be sharing with people. That's how we need to be restoring people and bringing them, mending. Are y'all with me? Mending those broken bones. And, and bringing them to the place of restoration. Tell them how to grow in the Lord. Tell them how to read the Bible. Tell them what prayer is. When you first became a Christian, when I first became a Christian, I didn't know how to pray. I had no idea. I mean, I, learned, I, mean, I heard the priest pray from Catholic school, but I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know. I, and the prayers I heard, they were high, lofty prayers. I didn't know. It was like, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thou humble servant, thine calling upon thy. Well, I thought that's the way you pray. First time I prayed, that's the way I prayed. I was in the military barracks. Father, in the name of Jesus. Guys in my room, they're looking at me like, what in the world are you doing? Hey, I'm calling out to God, man. Shut up. What is thou on high? What is Hey, right, you don't have to pray that way. Prayer is you talking to God and God talking to you. 
And it's okay to just talk to God. And when you need God, you can just say, help. That's what Peter did. You know, help is a prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anyone? Okay. Peter was about to sing. He just said, help. God helped him. Help is a prayer. Just talking to God. Those are the things we need to be sharing with people as we seek to heal and as we seek to restore them. Paul says we need to, you're truly spiritual. You need to seek to restore and to mend. Look at verse one again, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You see that a spiritual Christian will consider themselves. The word consider means to scope out. We have the word telescope, microscope, scope mouthwash. It's in the Greek. I mean, trust me. In other words, listen, you're to put yourself under the microscope and you will find, listen, when you put yourself under the microscope, you will find that you are a sinner saved by grace. And if you weren't saved, if, you weren't, if it weren't for the grace of God, you would be broken and you would be needing restoration as well. Saints, in 25 years of being a Christian, one thing I have learned, listen, don't be quick to look down on somebody else and never say what you will never do. Isn't that true? I, I, I actually made that mistake once and said, I'll never do that. Oh, I will never do that. You know, the thing that you say you will never do, that's the very thing you do. Never say that. Say, by the grace of God, I will never do that. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Say, by the grace of God, I will never do it. By the grace of God, I'll never become addicted. By the grace of God, I'll never find myself on the street. By the grace of God, I will never do this and I will never do that. Never say, I will never do that. For one, that puts uh, focus and pride. That's pride. Hmm. You know, the middle letter of the word pride is I. Huh. The middle letter of the word sin is I. Uh, we don't want to focus on ourselves. By the grace of God, I will never do that. That's what you need to say. Because you are the same kind of man that the other man is, and that is human. Truly spiritual and humble people have a right assessment of oneself, look at verse two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word burden, if you're taking notes, I've got this on the screen for you, literally means, and I love this definition, an extra heavy weight that requires the distribution among many so that it can be carried. An extra heavy weight, that's what the word means in the Greek language. An extra heavy weight that requires the distribution among many so that it can be carried. So Paul has talked about the one who is overtaken in a trespass. And that paints the picture of a person sagging under a heavy load. And Paul says, hey, if you see someone carrying a heavy burden, then help them to bear it. And notice he doesn't say, if you see someone carrying a heavy load or a heavy burden, then add some more bricks and make it heavier. He doesn't say that. He says, help them to bear it. And in doing this, you are fulfilling the law of Christ because he bore our sins. He bore our burdens. Jesus came and took our burden, our sin, and our shame upon himself. Have you ever thought of that? You're being most Christ-like when you are helping someone to bear their burden. 
You know, we think we're being most Christ-like when we're maybe doing something outwardly spiritual, speaking in tongues, prophesying, laying hands on the sick, exercising the gift of faith. These are all wonderful gifts. But you're being most Christ-like when you are helping someone bear their burden because he bore your burden. Can you say amen? He bore your burden. He bore your sin. He bore your shame upon himself. Look at verse 3. Paul says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I got to think that this is kind of an in-your-face to the Judaizers because they thought they were something. They were prideful. And worst of all, they were spiritually prideful, which I think is the worst kind of pride, isn't it? Spiritual pride pushes people down rather than lifts them up. These people were prideful. Paul says, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.